Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by some of our amazing patrons over on Patreon who choose to support us for $10 a month. Thank you so much to June. Thank you so much to Christy. Thank you to Beth. Thank you to Jasmine. Thank you, Katie. And thank you, Cody. If you would like your name read on one of our episodes, you can support us on Patreon for $10 a month. If you do that, you'll also get access to our additional weekly bonus episode and a video of that episode. So yeah. you can see our beautiful faces talking about the stuff we talk Sometimes about. Sometimes sleepy faces. Yeah. Uh-huh. Unshowered. Yep, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. But you can... <laughs> But you can also get access to that exclusive bonus episode, the audio of it for just $5 a month, including our backlog of over 150 episodes at this time. Check it out at patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like building sexual trust hooking up with a best friend's ex, and being a porn vegan. Lots of sex in this episode. Yeah. This is the sex episode that we talked about so much. (laughs) Sex episode. I forgot about that. I really tried to make that work around episode 20. (laughs) You really tried. You really tried. Yeah. Uh, But before we begin... Uh, We just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that um, Sierra and I are not licensed mental health professionals, licensed advice givers. Um, No one has given us their stamp of approval. We just gave ourselves our own and bought two mics and we're like, cool, let's do this. We didn't buy them. We borrowed them from Spencer. (laughs) (laughs) And unfortunately, we are just humans. Um, So these are just our opinions. So please (laughs) take... Or fortunately. Well, I mean, like, we're fallible. You know what I mean? We're not like... Yes. You know... Um, we're not like all knowing. In fact, we're like nominally knowing. (laughs) (laughs) This is all to say, please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings. So if we shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. What is this week's check-in topic, Sam? This check-in topic is inspired by a letter from Juliana, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing from the deep south of Texas. Okay, okay, okay. And basically, Juliana's like, I am really close to my friends. We hang out a lot. We spend a lot of time together. Um, and now I'm in a serious relationship, you know, dating for over a year. Um, and my uh, partner is feeling a little upset or jealous or insecure around how much time I spend with my friends um, and that it often sort of comes at the expense of me spending time with them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and sort of wondering like is this you know I hang out with my core group of friends a lot we do things like multiple times a week um, and I just don't know if this is normal like I want to continue prioritizing my friendships because I love them um, but I'm also like well I don't want my partner to feel like I'm not spending enough time with them. Um, So just like wondering, like, what's our take on how do you balance um, keeping and preserving and spending time with your friends with the reality of, you know, wanting to spend time also with your partner and maybe those two 
those two people don't hang out very much. Yeah, what is our take on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. You pick this second topic. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's an important conversation to have of like, how do you balance a serious relationship with um, important friendships in your life or other things that you care about, like whether it be family or hobbies or work? And what is the what would be like red flags or green flags that we see in mm. it? And um, how do you strike a balance between that? Because I think this is really this is probably like a common dynamic bump that comes up in the beginning of like striking the. I don't know the rhythm of a relationship. Like what, what is the, what's the dynamic of shared time or, or friendships or whatnot. And I, I also want to say like, I don't think it's, it's not a total red flag to me that the boyfriend is feeling insecure, you know, especially since um, I have an anxious attachment style, (laughs) you know, like, uh, and I can understand those feelings. I don't think it's an automatic red flag that people are like, where do I fit in here? Especially when we have different relationship dynamics outside of our, intimate relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. There is. Yeah. And I think it's hard to, it's hard to find that balance. Cause I think that balance will look different for every different relationship. Right. So yeah. like some folks are, some folks are really good at like integrating friend groups. Some folks are, you know, if they get into relationships and then they get in their little bubble where they mm-hmm. like, don't see their friends ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it it is like, how are you, what I, or at least what I'm hearing from your partner is like, I would love for us to spend more intentional time together. Um, and so like, how are you making sure that you're doing that too? Right. Cause like friends are great and love friends and you should be, and should be spending time with them and hanging out with them and love that, that, you know, you're social, but it's also like, to what extent are you showing your partner that you also prioritize your relationship with them and wanting to be with them? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hard, that can be a really hard balance to do because, you know, you don't also, you don't want to necessarily be in that bubble. Um, and you also don't want to be like neglecting your, <laughs> your relationship. Yeah. Um, and I think it can be hard to, cause like there's a point at which this type of behavior can become really, you know, problematic too yeah right? where it's like i want to separate you from your friend group yeah because i want you to myself and i don't want you to have people outside of our relationship and like that's unhealthy but it's also really healthy for somebody to be like i wish we would spend more time together so totally as always so everything funny. is nuanced <laughs> yes i know uh that's so funny because like as the resident going grocery shopping as a first date um sort of person i actually have the opposite take of this letter which is that there needs to be a conversation with the new partner about the importance of your friendships to you and that a general like narrative shift or cultural reminder that friendships require maintenance too i think Mm. i maybe take this stance because in the past i have neglected friendships when i got into partnerships because i get so obsessed with that intimacy with that affirmation of that relationship and i sort of take for granted that my friendships require effort you know you think you think oh friendship is forever (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and that we're just going to this relationship is going to understand why I'm prioritizing this new relationship that needs more tending. But like friendships require that sort of tending as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's striking a balance. I just think it's funny because I'm the one that's normally like, 
I'm obsessed with you. Let's spend the next seven days together straight <laughs> and not respond to any text messages <laughs> yeah. from my friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're right to say, like, it's also okay for the new partner to say, where do I fit in this? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what is what is a reasonable expectation for me um, of you uh, that still honors your friendship, honors your independence, and honors your time. Yeah, and I, I think that as somebody who has in the past really struggled with like avoidance stuff, I'm also yeah. like, yeah, I think it's reasonable for somebody to <laughs> yeah. want to uh, to ask to spend more time with you because Look at like us you know, flexing, that's flexing right. our attachment styles in new directions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, because I was in the habit of being like, yeah, we're dating. And then like seeing them like once every three weeks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So like you would literally give me a heart attack <laughs> if we dated. I would yeah. be like, what am I to you? <laughs> uh, so it is like, and this is a great example of like, people are going to have different perspectives around like what is and isn't appropriate when it comes to how much time you spend with each other. So it's like important to be having those conversations in a meaningful way so that so that you can have some shared meaning around like what is what does it mean to spend intentional time together what's our expectation of ourselves and each other around how much time we spend together like have we talked about this have we like dug into it like what are the boundaries what are the the what is the sort of acceptable and not acceptable here yeah um and that takes conversation right i think often we we walk into relationships thinking that like they should just click <laughs> and like yes. everyone should like know exactly what the other one is doing. But we're, we're always people with completely different experiences and completely different expectations and like definitions entering into a new understanding. So like we have yes. to be really clear about what those patterns and expectations and wants and needs are and not just assume that the other person or other people like, know exactly what we need or know exactly how we want the relationship to function. Yeah. And I think it's, I totally agree. And I would take out one word word and and substitute it. We don't have to be super clear on these things, but we need to have curiosity and communication about them. Like, because in this instance, you know, you're really used to prioritizing your friendships, Juliana, like you're really used to having this intimate committed friend group or whatnot and your new partner might not that might be totally new to them so i would ask the partner to be curious about what makes them feel neglected when you are nurturing these other parts of your life and Mm -hmm. i would also um ask you to be curious about like well what am i willing to how am I willing to negotiate to this? You know what I mean? Or or what is what is that dynamic that I feel like I could bend on a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is no direct, like, perfect equation or answer that's like, you need to spend 30% with your friends and 50% mm-hmm. with your partner, you know, equals relationship success. As all things on Just Break Up <laughs> the past year, you know, there it ebbs and flows and there's nuance and individual Uh, boundaries within each relationship but I think like Sam said it comes down to having conversations being curious about where these feelings are coming from and and also like knowing that your needs and desires are valid from both ends it's so valid to like want to spend time with your partner and be prioritized and it's also valid to say like I have other parts of my garden that need watering I have Mm -hmm. other parts of my life that I prioritize as much as this romantic connection Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely 
All right. Sounds good. You want to get into some letters? <laughs> Let's do it. The first letter of this episode comes to us from Anonymous Anonymous, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi there. I'm reaching out about a relationship I was in that ended a couple months ago. It was a relatively short, monogamous relationship that lasted about three months, and it ended because I revealed to my partner, they, them, I had been faking orgasms. Mm. I've been grappling with what happened, and I've mostly come to peace with it, although I was pretty surprised at the time that they decided to end things. I naively thought me being honest and vulnerable would bring us closer together. That being said, I know I bear a lot of responsibility for hurting them and breaking their trust. For context, I have done this in past relationships, and I don't believe it has anything to do with how I felt about my ex-partner. I've never reached an orgasm during sex with a partner, only in solo masturbation. I was genuinely interested in the relationship and was attracted to my partner and had feelings for them. In fact, I trusted them a lot, which is why I chose to reveal this thing, which I had kept hidden in longer-term relationships. My issue has more to do with my sexuality and my low level of desire sexually as well as my difficulty with being trusting and at ease during sex. I feel the need to perform and give, which can manifest in me trying to perform how I believe my partner wants. This results in dishonesty and is not very giving ultimately, I realize because I do not allow someone to see the real me. I worry someone will not accept this part of me because it seems like I cannot experience the quote normal range of desire. While I realize there is no one normal experience, I have internalized shame about this. I wonder if I am on the spectrum of asexuality, although I do enjoy sex sometimes, but just do not reach orgasm. I've tried to explain this to my ex and they said they understand, but they just cannot continue to have a romantic relationship with me. They are willing to remain friends, and I know I have to accept this boundary. Me lying seems to have been really triggering for them, which I can understand and empathize with. I have mixed feelings about remaining friends with them because I feel hurt by the way they initially reacted. I guess I'm wondering how to learn to accept myself more fully sexually and how to approach future sexual situations with more honesty. This feels like a lot to talk about right away the first few times you have sex with someone, but my ex was bothered. It took me so long to trust them with it. I don't want to make the same mistake again. Any advice or perspective on my situation is so helpful. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Anonymous Anonymous, for writing in and trusting with uh, with this very intimate question. Um, I'm so sorry that your relationship ended, and I'm sorry that you see yourself as the the main cause of that. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that you were honest with your partner, even though the outcome wasn't what you wanted or what you expected. Um, because, you know, as you're thinking about how you're building up your capacity to be honest about your sexuality and your desires with other people, right? You took an important first step in that by telling the truth, even if it resulted in some, some really um, unfortunate or, or hurtful response. So yeah, um, sorry that you're going through all of that. And, um, and I hope that you're, that you're doing what you need to do to take care of yourself as you're processing through this. Yeah. And I have to be honest and transparent and vulnerable and say, my first reaction to this was I too was like surprised and disappointed that your partner left you over this. Um, and then I had to look at my own wounds and I, I had to be like, well, why am I feeling defensive about this? And, I just wanted to have like a moment of accountability to say like, I think it's, 
I relate to this letter as somebody who has like faked orgasms in the past um, and felt internalized shame about it. Um, And also, I think your partner was obviously, as you said, more triggered by the lie and like has a different relationship to honesty and sex and 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 whatnot. And like, I I guess I just want to say, like, I understand why they were deeply hurt by this. Um, deception and that like even though that's not my lived experience um, you know it I see how this could be really be feel like a a huge betrayal of trust especially in such an intimate space as sex Mm -hmm. and also I relate to you a ton and feel a ton of empathy for you and had to kind of like do the work to where I got to the place that it sounds like you got to anonymous which is like they were hurt and they didn't, they no longer felt safe with me. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel the same way? Did you have a, a similar reaction or is that just me because of my own experience? I think I, when I read through it, understood both sides of this yeah. situation um, to recognize that like, I could understand being so deeply hurt by this, that you feel like you can't, be safe in the relationship anymore or like that you're sort of like questioning everything. Um, And I also understand like the impetus to like go along to get along when it comes to like having sex with people. Like like I I (laughs) deeply understand that impulse. Um, And as I was reading this letter too, um, I definitely like, I feel like the narrative that you're operating under is that like, this was the thing that broke you up and that may be true. And Mm. I also know from, relationships that it's often not like the Mm. thing that breaks people up but like something is also like other things are also happening that have led to it as well so like I wanted to recognize that this was a big impetus for the breakup but also invite you to also think of like places where things maybe weren't as strong as they could be or where there were other places where like things were happening too because um Often the narrative of, of this is like, this thing broke us up, but it's a, it's also like- And I did wrong, This yeah. thing, and then like also this thing, and like that thing too, fair. like created yeah. some conditions that allowed for this to happen, and then boom, it was yeah. a breakup. So like looking at it a little bit more holistically to say like, there were certain things that, that there were conditions in this that created a space where you didn't feel like you could- could be honest about what you were experienced during sex. Yes. And that isn't just your fault, right? right? Like, And I don't think it's necessarily your partner's fault either. It's like a bunch of different things are coming together to make this an issue for you. But it's not like you were like, you woke up in the morning where like, I choose to lie to my partner in bed. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I don't have to. I'm just going to do it because it sounds like it would be fun, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> absolutely. There were like a number of circumstances that made this the best that you could do or made mm-hmm. this the choice that seemed like the 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 most helpful. Safest or, yeah. Right. Helpful. Yep. That's such a good word. And, and at the time, it probably was. It probably was the choice that was the most helpful. And now you're saying like, this isn't working for me as well anymore. But I don't want it to be like a thing where you sort of internalize it and say, like, I broke up this relationship because I'm a bad person or because, like, I'm so bad at sex or like whatever it is. But instead recognizing like simple to say, like, I didn't you can't say I broke up this relationship because I was a liar. That is a little too black and white for what we're talking (laughs) about right here. (laughs) You know, right. 
Like, um, yeah, it's like this relationship ended because I didn't feel safe having sex with this person without pretending to orgasm, right? Like, Because of a the, million circumstances. Yeah, all of the multiple different reasons why that was happening, which right. again is not to like blame your partner for, for doing anything particularly wrong, but just to say that like this was the environment where these decisions were made yes. and divorcing our decisions from their environment like denies us the opportunity to like yes. figure out how to move forward or figure out how this thing happened or how this how we want to work to change those those factors. Yes, and to to continue on my moment of accountability earlier, I uh, with, with that context in mind, I still don't villainize your ex because I sometimes betrayals for whatever reason or whatever they represent, as Sam said, can just not, you just can't come back from them. <laughs> you know, like I needed mm -hmm. to like get out of my own head because I empathize so much with you and all of the circumstances that led you to feel like this was the most helpful, as Sam said, choice for you. Um, it's obviously more about lying than the ability or like the, the wound of your, X is obviously more about lying than the ability to like satisfy you or something like that. And also this is so incredibly common. I mean, like I already said before, I relate to this deeply and um, I just want to say like, I don't think you're dumb or I don't think you made like a mistake for thinking that this confession, that this vulnerability would bring you closer. Like, I think I would have, felt the same thing, especially in a relationship that I felt safe in or whatever. So you didn't make sure. a mistake by revealing this part about you and you didn't make a mistake. Like it wasn't like look into my dirty skeleton closet and this is my secret that I've been like keeping from you. You were trying to let them know you more yep. and they just, the because that was the most helpful way you could, you chose to approach this situation and they don't align with it. It just, it, an incompatibility arose and mm -hmm. I understand both sides. Honestly, I, I too would, would hope that if I bring something that I'm ashamed of to my partner, that they would receive it in a different way. And also I can't ask my partner to not have feelings or responses to the way that I bring things to them or, mm -hmm. or what I, how I process my shit to them. Yeah. So now that we have <laughs> talked about this relationship, uh, Let's also talk about like what do you what do you want to do moving forward to be able to express some of these um, these sort of sexually uh, pertinent details with with future people like sort of asking yourself like how do I build trust how do I build vulnerability when it comes to sex and having sex with people um, and I think that that is uh, a journey um, but I do think that like having these types of conversations earlier in the relationship is actually really, really good. Um, yes. And I know that you even write in here, like it feels like a lot to talk to somebody like the first few times having sex with them. I don't think it's a lot. I think it's like a really good thing either. to talk about like, at the beginning. The feeling, <laughs> the shame tells you it's a lot, but if you, if you exercise it, if you just like put it out there in the world, it's not a lot. And right. I want to be, vulnerable again in this first letter and just say like I start I like I don't know if this was led by a desire to be more honest or like literally just because I was embarrassed and didn't want to like have this person like going down on me for 45 minutes <laughs> like I would tell new partners like I have a hard time coming with partners in the beginning without 
I don't know, a vibrator or something mm-hmm. like that. Like I would just, I think, I honestly think it was less about me like liberating myself from that sexual shame and more about like that panicked need to be yep. helpful or to, to give as the letter writer said, but why I'm sharing this anonymous is that no partner was like, Oh, okay. Bye. <laughs> you know, they, um, or like it, it's only like, as Sam has taught us in past episodes, it's only as awkward as you let it be. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that was, that, that was just the truth of my body literally. And it would mm-hmm. be more awkward to say it the next day, <laughs> like in the, the morning after it'd be like, by the way, uh, I can't do this. So if you're trying to do that before, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> yep. And I think, I think that there are like a multitude of reasons why people don't or can't orgasm during sex with a partner or partners, right? Like there's a multiple different reasons. Like I can name some for myself, like multiple different reasons for myself. Why, why that doesn't happen. Um, and my experience is if I'm upfront about it, And if I talk about it and if I pretend like it's not a big deal, because it's like, really, it's not. Because, again, I think this is a thing that happens to a lot of people. I will say it happens to me. It has happened to me and happens to me a lot. Right. Like it's I think it's a really normal thing. And again, remembering, too, that like we the way that we're taught about sex is that orgasm is is the purpose. Right. Like that orgasm is the thing we're striving towards. And that may be true in a lot of different circumstances. And we can have a conversation about people in female bodies being denied orgasms or or sort of being told that their orgasms are impossible or unimportant in the sex, like all of that good stuff too. But I do think it's a really common thing for sex to not involve orgasms either by choice or because like it doesn't happen. And so being upfront and honest about that and saying like, I'm still really enjoying like being with you. Like I am so glad that we did this. It's just not, it's not happening for me. You know, this is like, it's hard for me to do this with new people. It's hard for me to do this when we do this particular thing. It's like, whatever it is and be like, and so I'm good, right? Like we don't need to continue to try. Like literally I, these words have come, come out of my mouth. <laughs> like I'm actually like, profoundly inspired by the, the phrase, no orgasm by choice like especially in this context because like like i said i could achieve an orgasm with a partner with extra effort but sometimes like especially in the beginning stages of a relationship like i don't want to put that extra effort in (laughs) because it's not going to be fucking fruitful you know what i mean so you can Mm -hmm. just to be like no i'm this i'm good like you said right or even like different different ways of being aroused different ways of of experiencing desire too right it might be like cool guess what we've got 10 minutes i know this is going to take me an hour and a half so like (laughs) let's just not do it right um and again just being really honest about that and there's nothing there's nothing shameful about it i know that you might be experiencing shame around it like and i don't want to negate that that real valid feeling that you're having right but there is nothing shameful about it. And so if we can approach it with a, a way of of sort of just talking about it, like you you are a human in a body that does things that are outside of our control, that doesn't work in the way that we want it to all the time. Right. And say literally like, this isn't going to happen. I'm good. I've been enjoying this. I'm super excited to be here with you. And like, let's just cuddle or like, okay, let's just go like watch TV. Like, let's move to the next thing. Um, 
And I think I have also been honest with partners too, like especially when I was in a place where I hadn't had an orgasm with anyone before of being super honest about it and being like, hey, just so you know, like I've never come with a person with another person before. So I don't know if it's going to happen here or if it's not, probably not, but I'll let you know like when I'm ready to stop or like if I'm getting close, right? Like just being honest about it. And in my experience, right? Recognizing again that I'm in like a male presenting body with a penis that only has had sex with male presenting bodies with penises. Uh, that like the circumstances you don't know the might labyrinth be different. Of the labia. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're trying to say. <laughs> uh, labyrinth of my labia. The Sierra Is Nevaldo the story <laughs> should be your memoir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I don't, I don't even know where I was going. Up. I was so I distracted by this thing. We're going to get so many DMs about how you interrupted me with that joke. Ah! <laughs> no comment. No comment. Continue, Sam. Oh, but what I'll say is that my experience in having sex with, you know, with my body and with people whose bodies were like mine. <laughs> Uh, that people were really understanding for the most part. There were some assholes in there, but then great. Guess what? I learned a thing about them and was like, yes. cool. I don't want to have sex with you now. <laughs> but like for the most part, people were like, yeah, I get it because it's happened to me. Or yeah, I get it because right. it's happened with other partners I've been with. Or like, and many of them have then been really kind to be like, so what would be helpful? <laughs> like, yes, totally. What would be good now? Um, at least it's been my experience and recognizing that mine is is unique to me. But um, would encourage you to do this because I think the fear of talking about this stuff is often greater than the actual talking about yes, it. Right. Totally. And for the most part, in my experience, people have responded really well to it. And I know that you did this once and it didn't go well. Like it literally caused the breakup of your relationship. And that's not a pattern. Right? Yep. It's not correlated. I right. mean, it it's is, just, but it's not a pattern, yeah. like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just restate what you said, but worse, and then repeat what you said. <laughs> Colon, the Sierra de Mulder story. <laughs> <laughs> so many autobiographies to write today. Just, just to, to, to recap, uh, Sam and I are saying... This script can be really simple too. Like you don't have this. This is such a common experience more than we would ever know that like you don't owe any explanation. You don't owe any more generosity of your sexuality, which is whatever you determine it to be. Mm -hmm. But the script can literally be you're making out, getting hot and heavy. And you can say, by the way, I don't orgasm this way i'm really having a good time (laughs) you know or what like it literally you don't you don't owe an autobiography the labyrinth of the labia (laughs) to (laughs) to explain this because it is so common and there's literally nothing wrong with you right right oh absolutely there's to be clear i don't know if we made that abundantly clear but there's literally nothing wrong with you like this is so normal (laughs) like it's it is so uh so like in the realm of our experience too, that it's like, yeah, cool. I get it. Absolutely. Because this is a thing that I have encountered multiple times with multiple partners, including myself. <laughs> yeah. In in the realm of my experience, so much so that I got offended by your partner breaking up with you because it was like <laughs> they were breaking up with me. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. All right, my darling. Uh, we hope that this helps. We love you so much. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. 
Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Gay and Tired, which same. (laughs) whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from stuck between a rock and a gay place. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I am a queer lesbian woman, she, her, and I'm finally feeling hella happy and comfortable with my sexuality after denying how I felt for many years. For context, I live in a small city where the queer community is tiny AF. 
Everyone knows everyone, and most of the WLWs have had some sort of sexual encounter with each other. COVID and country borders closing up has only made this worse, and the queer scene is very incestuous. I am also not looking for a relationship, and I'm loving just sleeping around, with no secrets and lots of open discussions regarding this. Since there are such limited options here, it should come as no surprise that I've felt like I've had to turn to friends' exes for hookups. I know you have mentioned the scarcity complex, but... I genuinely believe it is a thing here. Recently, my best friend's ex, let's call her Summer, hit on me at a party. I turned her down without thinking twice since she had really hurt my friend in the past and I didn't want to complicate things. After that encounter, I couldn't stop thinking about Summer, so I brought it up with my friend and told her how I felt. I explained I wanted to do something casual but felt uneasy as to how it would make my friend feel. My friend heard me out and her final feeling on the matter was that hooking up was okay but nothing more than that. With my friend's blessing, I set up a date with Summer. I also checked in with my friend on the morning of the date, and she said that she was feeling a little weird about it, but that I should go ahead and it'll be okay. The date was great, and we had an amazing sexual connection. We organized and went on a second date, which was, again, (laughs) mind-blowing. Definitely definitely thought you were going to say a different word there. given the No, it says organized. (laughs) (laughs) We organized a lot. (laughs) Multiple organizings. I'm I'm (laughs) sorry. I'm seven. I'm sorry. (laughs) After these dates, I did not talk or text my friend about them. I assumed that she wouldn't want to know as I was with her ex. Long story medium, she heard that it was two dates and not one, and she got really upset with me. In her mind, she had been clear that hooking up meant one time and one time only. She was angry and took the space to process, and eventually we met up to talk it out. She doesn't want to make me choose between friendship and sleeping with her ex, but that is basically her bottom line. I don't know how to feel about this. In reality, Summer treated my friend like shit and has a lot to work on. But at the same time, I haven't felt a strong sexual connection like this in a long time. I don't want to date Summer, and she is on board with keeping things open and casual, which really works for me. My friend will also be moving away next year, and she said it's fine to continue when she's no longer living here. This is frustrating and confusing to hear. Should I put myself first and just go ahead and continue sleeping with Summer? I will always choose my friend, but I wish I didn't have to make a choice. All right, my darling. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. Uh, I think there's a couple of different dynamics going on in this letter that's making it hard, like your desire to be with someone, your desire to honor your friendship, the discomfort of having to make those choices. Like you Mm. say at the bottom, you know, of the letter that you will always choose your friend, but you wish you didn't have to make a choice and that your friend doesn't want to make you make a choice, but that's kind of what her bottom line is. And that's like uncomfortable and shitty or not shitty. I shouldn't say it's just like it, like nobody wants to have to make a choice between two things that they want. Like that's just like a common human one oh one. Um, but I will say uh, small communities are messy <laughs> and friendships do get ruined. And I think what you need to, to really reckon with is what do you care about right now? Like you talk about this, your best friend, and you also talk about this great sexual connection. And you say that you don't want to have to make a choice, but you have to make a choice. Mm. Or the inaction will be the choice, you know, like the, right, you know, and uh, unfortunately, like, I'm not going to, I'm not picking sides on either of this, um, but like the choice needs to be made or will be made passively for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, unfortunately, it is pitted between this sexual thing and the friendship. That might be a little bit too black and white. Like maybe there's more nuance in here. Maybe your friend would be a little bit more understanding if you had more conversations about it. I don't know. But like something in the at the core of this letter that I am seeing is the idea that like, I don't want to have to make a choice because the choice sucks, but we have to make sucky choices all the time. <laughs> right. Is that fair? You know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. Like that's, that's the reality of life. Like that relationships are complicated and we don't always get everything that we want. And, yeah. and sometimes we have to acknowledge the fact that people are going to be hurt by the things that we, yes. that we do, even if we think that those things shouldn't hurt them. <laughs> Right. Because yes. we're not we're not in their bodies. We're not them. They, we're not having their experiences. And I'll also say I deeply relate and understand your friend's point of view on this as well to say, like, this person treated me shittily and now you want to go sleep with them over and over again. Um, and I would be hurt by that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I would be like. You know, because, again, there's multiple different ways of having relationships, multiple different ways of having sex. I'm the type of person that's like, you don't have sex with people that are mean to my friends. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> It's just like, that's it, just Sam Blackwell, semicolon autobiography. <laughs> and for sure. Yes, you don't have sex with people who are mean to my friends, colon, the Sam Blackwell story. <laughs> yeah. And I think like you even acknowledge in this too, like some are treated my friend like shit. And I'm, you are capable of divorcing those two things of saying like, mm, yep. And this person has point. like really great chemistry with me and I can have sex with people who I don't, who treat my friends poorly. And that's not true for your friend. Like that mm. is not a, that is not a divorce that, that, that your friend is able to or capable of making. Um, and from my perspective, I don't think it's a thing that you, we should be asking the friend to do. <laughs> like I can totally understand that there's other points of view on that, but like for me, it's like, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. I would be furious if a best friend had started having sex with somebody who treated me shittily. I would be deeply hurt by that. Um, and so like, I'm not saying that it's right or the best. I'm just saying that I deeply relate to it. And I am saying to you that like, now you have the decision to make and what, right. Like trying to convince your friend to be capable of making that sort of that cognitive shift of being like, I can separate the sex they're having from the shitty thing that they did to me. You can't ask your, you can't make your friend do that. (laughs) Well, or or you can, and the conversation has to go. um, It's just sex. I value our friendship and I am asking you to see the flippancy or like, I'm asking you to honor my desires more than your hurt. And and you're the one that has to decide whether or not that is an appropriate thing to ask of your friendship. But as Sam said, like. But you can ask, but you can't change it. Right? Yes. Like, yes. You that's can, it. You right can there. have this conversation, but your friend is also really entitled to have this point of view, <laughs> you know, yeah. like and you can't make them change it yeah. um, as much as that would be nice. Uh And so, like, you can have this conversation, but at the end of the day, like, the choice that you're making here is, like, do I value this thing, this hurt that my friend is showing me and asking me about, or do I value the great sex that I'm having? Yeah. Right? And I I will say that's also how I view it, but we know that 
the world lives in the gray area, that it's like, it is, it's more complicated than that. But also in this instance, the desire to make it less, like the desire to make, to fit nuance into this, I don't know is going to be fruitful. Do you know what I mean? Like I said, like, if you don't, if you don't make it, like I'm going to stand by my friend or I'm going to have sex with this person, I'm not that I'm not sure if there's going to be a positive outcome for your friendship. And that's me just, yeah, go ahead. And it's, I think what is also happening here is that there, you are existing in different planes of conflict, right? So you're on the material conflict. You're like, who cares? It's just sex. Like it's about sort of things and actions and tangible stuff. And it sounds like your friend is hanging out in the symbolic and relational type of conflict, Mm. right? Where this isn't about the thing itself, right? Like in her head, she probably could concede like, yeah, it's just sex, but it's about the meaning of that sex. It's about the relationship that you have and what that sex says about your values and about the relationship that you have with this friend. Um, And so arguing that like it's material, so it doesn't matter, doesn't address the deep symbolic and relational conflict that's happening here. So wow. you, you need to get into that place where you can at least acknowledge and understand and deeply empathize with what this means to her, right? Yes. Like what is this, not like the fact that it's just sex, right? But like, what is the, that sex saying to her about your relationship and about your values so that you can either understand it and empathize and choose to sort of support that this is important to her or to say like, that's not, yeah, that's not it. Like, I don't agree with, I don't agree with how you're taking this. And I, and I don't believe that it, that it's something that I need to take into account as I'm, yeah. as I'm making these decisions. And Sam and I are not in your body. We're not in your friendships. I can see how, like sort of extending the metaphor of the material versus the, what was the other word? Symbolic. and Symbolic. Relational. Yeah. It's like, it feels like if this is tr- just a sexual connection that this is a more temporary relationship whereas this friendship where you know you use best you use the words best friends which feels like a more permanent you know so like there are lots of there are lots of ways to look at this that feel like the scales are tipped sam and i are definitely not villainizing you in this and we're we're Mm -hmm. definitely not saying this is an easy thing like i have for sure been in these situations where i'm like well, this is this is my lived experience and it I want these things and I don't want to have to choose between the two of them. I I want my friend to see me on this level that I'm experiencing this, right? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to go to their relational level? You know, why can't <laughs> they see me on the material level or whatever? Yep. And also, that's just humans are messier than that and from our perspective across the world or wherever you are, from our perspective, we are afraid that the disconnect between those two conflicts is going to much more deeply hurt this long-term friendship over this sexual connection, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. But does it not, like, like making decisions sucks. <laughs> you know, like, we're, every does. day we're faced with having to make decisions that might not be intuitive or comfortable or, like, satisfying even let's use that word that align with what is important to us what's important to you right now and guess what sam and i will not harbor any shame or like judgment whatsoever if you're like listen 
it was a hard fucking year and I want physical connection. You know what I mean? Like you write mm-hmm. in your letter, it's, I haven't felt such a strong sexual connection like this in a long time. And trust me, I know how powerful that that those endorphins are and how powerful that physical intimacy is and how that connection feels revered, right? And mm-hmm. and feels really satisfying to the soul at times, you know? And so like if that's what you need right now, if that's what you need to prioritize, then then you need to know you need to approach the conflict trying to get your friend to see that level while also acknowledging her relational hurt, her, Mm -hmm. the fact that this is, that this might mean more to you, mean more to her than it does to you. Or like you, you're you're both putting different importance, importances. Nope. You're both putting, (laughs) you're both putting different values on what is important right now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, And like I said, like, I I don't know that it's necessarily fair for your friend to be doing this, <laughs> to be making this sort of like bottom line. And this is what your friend is doing. Um, and yeah. so now you you need to make a decision. And I'll say too, like um, I have been in this situation before where I have been the friend being like, don't, please don't do, do this. And my friend did it anyway. And it caused like a big rift in our relationship. And then we got over it. So right, like, <laughs> right. Like, it's also infinitely possible that, like, this will be something that you will get over in conversation right. and support of each other, right? Like, that's what it took me and my friend doing was, like, having a real conversation where I at least felt seen and validated that he was like, yep, I recognize that that you are viewing this decision as me picking this person over you. And that's not how I see it. Yes. And, but I see you in, in feeling that way. Yes. And... That's not how it is for me. So I'm going to do this thing. And I hope that you and I can figure out a way to move forward in this. And like, I was pissed and I talked to my therapist about it. And he talked to his therapist, who was coincidentally the same therapist. And <laughs> talk, about, talk about incestuous. <laughs> yeah, right. Conflict of interest for sure. Um, and we like we arrived at a place where we could move forward. And like there had to be continued conversation about like what my boundaries were, because I was like, it's more important for me to have this friendship than it is to make you not date this person. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I also had to make that decision in my head. Yeah. Um, and we had to have continued conversation about, like, me asking for things that I needed in that relationship to be like, hey, can you warn me when this person is coming to the party? Or, like, like, can we make sure that we're spending some alone time together? Like, this kind of stuff. But it did take intentional conversation where it wasn't like you're being ridiculous. I can't believe you're asking this of me, but instead being like, I deeply understand why you're doing this and why it's important to you. And I see that. And I want to figure out how to move forward with you. And this is my perspective and I'm going to, I'm going to operate under my perspective and my values on this. Yeah, I totally agree. You are in between a rock and a gay place. um, And (laughs) we see you in all of that. And we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. The next and final letter comes to us from Porn Vegan, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from The Void. Dear Sierra and Sam, first, I want to say how much I appreciate this podcast. You two are incredibly compassionate people, and I'm always blown away by your thoughtful analysis and careful considerations of people's humanities when breaking down complex relationship issues. Your banter and jokes make me smile and keep it from feeling too heavy. I co-sign all the praise you previously received. Well, thanks. That's so sweet. 
Like most of the letters, I'll start out with the positive. I'm a cis woman in her mid-30s who has been in a monogamous relationship with a cis man in his mid-40s for approximately one year. He is kind, generous, affectionate, consistent, even-tempered, secure with himself, successful in his career, and very loving towards me. He is fluent in all the love languages. I feel loved and affirmed in our relationship, and so does he. My issue is that he watches porn. I'm very aware that most men use porn as well as many women and non-men too. And I know that a lot of people are okay with it, but I'm not. When we first started dating, it came up in a few conversations that he uses porn about three times a week. I tried to approach the subject with curiosity as we are getting to know as we were getting to know each other and I didn't want him to feel judged. I also didn't quite know how to articulate why I'm so uncomfortable with it besides the fact that it objectifies and degrades women. But somehow that just makes me sound like some sort of sex negative prude. I'm not, by the way. I like sex. I work in the sexual health field, have been involved in group sex more than once, own many sex toys and props, and have no reservation in talking about sex except for this situation. I've searched for advice online about this, and overwhelmingly the advice out there falls along the lines of, quote, porn is healthy. Why don't you just join in your partner in watching and get over yourself? I'm hoping your response can be a little bit less dismissive. Almost everyone I know doesn't share my views on porn, so I mostly keep it to myself. It seems like society as a whole has moved on from the, quote, objectification equals bad mentality towards, quote, as long as everyone is a consenting adult, it's all good. Admittedly, both of these views are overly simplistic and binary and don't allow for much nuance. There's been controversy in the news in recent years on human trafficking and minors and porn and crackdowns on porn sites, which also brings into question how much of it is truly consensual versus coercive. Does capitalism and the feminization of poverty count as coercion? Can objectification be not dehumanizing? Where is the line between fantasy and the bleak reality of our misogynist society? I also know that there are, quote, feminists or, quote, ethical porn sites out there. But he mentioned that he watches porn from one of the major mainstream websites. And to be honest, I don't know how I'd feel about him using, quote, feminist porn either. But that is something I feel ambivalent about and need to explore within myself further. Some of the information I've encountered online suggests that porn use negatively impacts sexual performance, which is a secondary but important concern for me. I have let him know about my concerns about the ethics of porn, but I have not felt comfortable enough to ask him to stop watching it. I haven't brought up my concerns about the impact of his performance, which is a much touchier topic. Maybe I haven't asked him to stop because I've internalized so much of that gaslighty and dismissive advice on how to handle this situation. My fear is that he will think that I'm trying to control him or shame him or judge him if I ask him to stop or even cut back. He doesn't react this way to anything else. Like I said, he's kind and even-tempered. But I definitely have had previous partners react this way in response to me bringing up something I dislike. I also have encountered a lot of mockery and disdain from others for having feminist beliefs throughout my life. I don't want to be misunderstood or misaligned as sex negative or have my legitimate concerns misinterpreted as a trauma response as I have a history of sexual trauma. Part of me feels a bit disappointed that he hasn't even considered stopping his use on his own after knowing about how I feel of the ethics of it all. Is this how vegans feel about dating meat eaters? Maybe he disagrees with me completely, but wants to avoid conflict. I think we're both avoiding conflict here. I guess my question is, when do I bring up my desire for him to stop using porn and how? I'm not ready to, quote, just break up, but I don't know if I can be okay with my partner regularly consuming porn either. 
Any advice is appreciated. Porn Vegan. Porn Vegan, thank you so much for writing. Uh, I love the <laughs> the idea of a porn vegan. Um, and I think your sort of metaphor around like, is this what it's like for a, a vegan to be dating a, a meat eater is like such an interesting one to think about in relationships where we have very conflicting or seemingly conflicting values around particular things. Um, yes. And recognizing also that how we choose to exercise those values might be different too, right? Like you can be an animal lover who's also a meat eater and an animal lover who's a vegan and like approach that animal love in such different ways as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just such a, it's such an interesting thing when we get into conversations around ethics and values and how we like commit to those ethics and values and how that plays out in our lives um, and the ways in which like our actions either reflect or don't reflect those values and how that how that manifests itself in in the the way that we move about our lives. I think that's a really astute observation, especially like with the animal lover, meat eater, animal lover, vegan analysis, because my initial thought or response was like, yeah, there's going to be vegans out there that really disagree with you that like ethics inherently means the way you act in life, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like the, your, your personal morals have to be in alignment with your actions. And I don't really know what I believe, but I know that that sort of not, it's not rigid. I, I'm not trying to like, uh, paint that approach as negative at all, but like that sort of, uh, extreme one side of the extreme, mm -hmm. um, idea of how morals are meant to show up in your life exists, you know? And For sure. I think one of the hard things about this letter is that um, the porn vegan is trying to is porn vegan is having this huge, thoughtful, um, nuanced and difficult conversation about the ethics of the porn industry. Um, and there they, she is also trying to have that huge conversation in alignment with a compatibility in her relationship. And <laughs> right. to me, even though they are inherently connected and inherently influence one another, they are, they are not the same question to be solved. They're not going to result in the same answer, if that makes sense or like, mm -hmm. or they will, but it's not the same equation. It's is porn ethical and separate question Am I comfortable with porn use existing in my relationship? Right. And I think this is one of the most complicated things in this letter because I feel like porn vegan feels as though she's being asked to have a binary answer for both of those things. A binary yes. answer for is porn ethical? Yes or no. And a binary answer for am I comfortable with it in my relationship? Yes or no. You know, mm -hmm. and that's that's a lot. That's those are big Complicated questions asking not complicated answers out of you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because it's not just, it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's also like a really tangible one that involves not just thinking about this stuff, but also like our feelings yep. and sensation, like bodily and, sensations and another person's it. feelings, you know, yep. like mm -hmm. it's messy. For sure. I think that getting into the intellectual piece of it is really challenging because it is, um, it's not just an intellectual exercise. Um, and, and I think that what we 
often ask of ourselves is to like be really ethical consumers. Like this idea of like, we should all not be participating in these things that are deeply problematic. Um, and it's really hard to do that in a, in a world in which there is no ethical consumption, <laughs> you know, like, like it's all, it's all bad. And we could have conversations about like, okay, well, what if, what if your boyfriend only uses feminist porn that's run by female owned industries or whatever it is, or they only, or he only uses only fans, right? So that he's like paying the per the, the person directly recognizing also that OnlyFans as a corporation takes money from that payment that like happens. Right. And so then like, where do we go from here? Right. So I think the question isn't black or white is porn good or bad. But the question, like Sierra said, is like, how does porn play a role in your relationship and where are the places where it can or can't be? Yes. Um, and that's a conversation that I think that you can have with your partner by sharing some of these feelings that you have about porn and also practicing what it feels like to sit in the complexity and nuance of the behemoth that is the porn industry, <laughs> right? Like, because yeah, lots of bad actors in porn and probably lots of people who are doing this consensually and wanting to, because it's something that they want to do. And the, the idea that it's either one or one of those things or the other isn't the reality because we know that the reality of things aren't always black and white. So what conversations can you have with him about like like talking about some of your concerns and figuring out whether or not an ethical consumption of porn can exist in your relationship? I think it probably can, right? Because I have faith that folks are choosing to do this. Whether or not people have choice in anything <laughs> is up for debate. You know what I mean? Like it's yes, like totally. Like, would any of us be working if we weren't forced to do it? Dunno. You know, like would any of us be eating animals if we weren't if it weren't the cheapest and like easiest option? I don't know. But like we don't exist in a world where like choice is always inherent. So like, what are you, how are you finding a place to like recognize that reality? And how do you take some of those like intellectual exercises and bring it down and say like, this isn't an argument about whether or not porn is good or bad. This is a conversation around like, what are we as people choosing to do in the reality of all of this complexity and nuance, recognizing that there's like not a good or best answer, but just a series of answers that are in or less in alignment with our values. Yes. And I think that, like I said at the beginning, you know, I want you to separate as best you can, because I know it's really difficult, um, separate the ethics intellectual, you know, through the feminist lens and of all of the, you know, the writing that we can apply to this. Separate that question from well, what do I want to practice in my relationship? Um, because something that comes up for me in this letter too is your boyfriend's right to privacy. And mm. I don't want this to come off as dismissive because the questions that you're posing in here are all really valid. And I and I really, I really stand by your right to exercise what you feel is important in your relationships, right? Like mm -hmm. I have, I want you to feel like at the end of this letter or whenever you listen to it or however this unfolds in your relationship, I want you to feel confident in saying 
you know what, this is so important to me that this is, this is a boundary in my relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And also looking forward to future relationships, you need to know that that will be a boundary that you have to uphold, which mildly taps into your partner's right to privacy. Like yep. not that like, of course we should be all transparent in our relationships, but like, I do believe that again, I'm, I'm separating the conversations between is porn ethical and can I ask my partner to stop watching porn? Do you know what I mean? So I just want to clarify <laughs> yeah. that. Like right, 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 me right. talking about my talking about your boyfriend's right to privacy is not me condoning or condemning the porn industry. I'm right. talking about in this relationship dynamic, what is the best way for you to hold or carry a boundary around your boyfriend's private time? You know what I mean? Um, basically, I just want to encourage you to, at the end of whatever this road is, know that whether it is in this partnership or in a future one, that boundary does tap into somebody's privacy. And mm-hmm. that's okay, but... but we cannot control what people do all of the time. And in, and we, it, we cannot fully know what he's doing. Right. We can't even have the expectation that sh- that should be something that we know too. Right. <laughs> right? right. Like, and yes. And I know, you know, that porn vegan, like you've, you've made, you, you've done so much thought work in this letter. I can tell that you're really thinking about like, how do I approach this without shaming him or controlling him or all this? I know, you know, all of this, yep. but the future, the, 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 the resolution to this conflict is going to involve a uh, you coming to terms with what is important to you, what your morals are, and how do you, how do you want to exercise them in your personal life and in the boundaries within your partnership? Because you can't control your partner, but you can control the boundaries within your relationship that you agree to, that you ask of your partner, and then you respond accordingly. You know, yep. and then also C B C or wherever I was in the list. <laughs> remembering that there will always be a level of letting go. And I think this is part of what comes off as dismissive on the online advice is like, we can't really control what people do behind closed doors by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if your boyfriend will be able to give you the full reassurance that he never looks at porn again. And that's maybe another like off topic point of discomfort that I just am asking you to sit with too. Um, or maybe you need to know that. Like I, so much of this letter is really for you to come down to what is, what do I feel like it's valid for me to feel or not? Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel you doing all this intellectual work and going online and writing to us. And honestly, other than us saying like, yeah, it's fucking so complicated and you got to sit in the nuance hashtag hippie bullshit. It's going to come down to you. What is what conflict, what misalignment can you live with and what can you not live with? Yep. And I think if you get to a point where you want to break up with this person because he continues to watch porn, like that is absolutely your prerogative, <laughs> you know, yes. like, and I, and I don't necessarily think that that's a, a bad reason to break up with a person, right? Yes. Like you can, you can make that choice for yourself. Um, and the question is, not just what level of nuance are you willing to sit in when it comes to, again, sort of the behemoth of porn and the nuance of your relationship. And like where, 
where are you being right and where are you where are you trying to be right and where are you trying to be effective? Mm. And I think if you're focusing on sort of the effectiveness of what does it look like for me to have a meaningful conversation with my partner about porn mm. and sitting in the nuance of it, talking about all of the different things rather than saying I'm a good feminist and therefore I'm against porn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm writing this. Um, but instead sort of recognizing like this is really complicated and nuanced, not just in like a writ big thing, but also in the context of your relationship. So how are you showing up with the idea of, I want to be effective in navigating this complexity in mm -hmm. partnership with this person and with mm, honesty about I it. I love that. And if we get to a point where our values don't align, cool, we can break up, right? Like we can we can end this relationship. But it sounds like you two are on very similar pages in a lot of different things. So what does it look like to have a conversation to say like, I know that there's probably no good or right answer in this situation. Yes. How do we find an answer that's going to work for us? Um, but that's only possible if you are able or willing to not view all porn as bad. And if you want to view all porn as bad, again, that is absolutely your prerogative. And I, I, I kind of agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I could definitely sort of take that track. Um, so that's really the question that you're going to have to dig into. Like, are you in a place where you can sit in the nuance and complexities of this? Or are you in a place where understandably you're like, nope, this is sort of hard and fast for me. This is yeah. a thing that I want to, to hold the line on. And if it is, great. I totally appreciate that. Um, but that does mean that there will be consequences, right? Sitting in our values sometimes means we have to give up things in order to sit in those values that we've we've given to ourselves or that we've assigned to ourselves. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think that it's obvious already that, you know, Sam and I don't think that there's a right or a wrong way to navigate this. We do see you trying to shoulder a lot and try to make the right choice. Um, and that's that's a tall order in itself, too. It's a noble one, one that we respect. Um, and yeah, trail off because <laughs> because I think I could I could stay in the middle of this for a long time as well. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. So porn vegan, in case it wasn't clear, we are asking ourselves similar questions to the ones that you're asking about the porn mm -hmm. industry and and the ethics of it. Um, and we're sorry that this is like playing a big role in your relationship. And, um, and our invitation is to take sort of the intellectual out of this and begin to have a, a real conversation with your partner about what your, your beliefs and your values are as a couple. And to see if there's a place where you can find a place of alignment and where you both feel like you may be stretching but that you're sort of comfortable where with where things are going. I think that's beautiful. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing and we hope that helps. We love you. This brings us to the blind segment of the episode. Every show we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week we are sending you home with. Uh, another board game. I know I just did a board game, but we're in like a very board game moment in the Blackowski <laughs> household. Um <laughs> Uh, so this one is called Parks. Um, it is Parks, a, like a, with a K. Yes, okay. uh, and it's a it is a game where you basically like walk up and down a trail and go visit national parks and take pictures. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's great. Charming. It has these this beautiful artwork on the cards of um, all of these different like vacation posters for all of the different national parks. Um, and you basically like take in different sites and then you're able to visit the parks. Um, it's a delightful game. It is super fun. It's very pretty. Um, it's one of those games that's like it takes a minute to learn. But once you know it, it's like really easy to to do and to play. Um and it's also small-ish. So like Peter and I have been taking it um, to play with my sister and her partner at our local brewery. So like we like get a table and we we play the game while we are having beers. And it's just been really delightful. So cute. Uh, check it out. It's called Parks. It's available online. I believe it's also sold in like Target too. Um, so it's easy to find, easy to play um, and has been a great source of fun amusement for us here. Fun. Love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Actually, cut the merchandise part because we're going to temporarily close our store when I'm on maternity. Please remember to follow and subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That is patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is the production of David Media, original music, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music under Big Cats and his new podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember that mistake that you made or this conflict that you're going through or the questions that you're asking of yourself right now. It's just one moment of your life and it does not define who you are. It is a drop in the ocean of who you are and who you are becoming. They're only thoughts. They're only feelings. And you're not going to be scared of a feeling. Only you get to determine what you truly want in life. This is only a moment in time and you're going to get through it. And if all else fails. Just break up. <laughs>